Morning, everyone. Welcome to our Wednesday morning live devotion. I'm just going to pray for us, and then we're going to start. Wow, thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you that you are with us. And I pray that this morning that you will use my mouth to speak words of life and that it will encourage us and draw us nearer to you. Amen. I have um, a, f- a visitor here. Ruben is with us here this morning. So if you hear some playing and some extra noises, it is just him. And um, yeah, he's just here for a small part of the morning. Okay, before, um, well, let me just jump right into the word. And then, um, yeah, we're going to explain a few things. I'm going to read from John 1, um, oh, John 11. Verse 1 and 2. Now a certain man named Lazarus was ill. He was of Bethany, the village where Mary and her sister Martha lived. This Mary was the one who anointed the Lord with perfume and wiped his feet with her hair. Um, This second verse was really the verse that that grabbed my heart um, when I was preparing. Just that picture of Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus. And um, she stood just pouring perfume onto his feet, um, onto his head, and um, just anointing him, pouring out her love towards him. Now, before I go into a story, I just quickly want to make a distinction, if you read through the Gospels, between the Marys, because I have been very confused between all the Marys, so I just did some reading to, you know, to know who, when, who, what Mary is, is when, where, what. Okay, so there was the Mary, the mother of Jesus, then there is Mary Magdalene, or Mary from Magdala, um, from whom the seven spirits, the demon spirits, were driven out, and she was always with another Mary, the mother of James. Okay, so they were always walking together with some other women as well. And um, then there was a Mary, wife of Clopas, and she was also with these other women sometimes. And then there is Mary, the sister of Martha, which are the sisters of Lazarus. Okay, so Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus, pouring out the perfume on his head. So I'm just going to read you one or two of these accounts. Let's go to Mark 14, from verse 3. And while he, Jesus, was in Bethany, a guest in the house of Simon the leper, as he was reclining at table, a woman came with an alabaster jar of ointment or perfume of pure nard, very costly and precious. And she broke the jar and poured the perfume over his head. But there were some who were moved with indignation and said to themselves, To what purpose was the ointment, the perfume, thus wasted? For it was possible to have sold this perfume for more than 300 denarii, a laboring man's wages for a year, and to have given the money to the poor. And they censored and reproved her. But Jesus said, Let her alone. Why are you troubling her? She has done a good and beautiful thing to me, praiseworthy and noble. For you always have the poor with you, and whenever you wish, you can do good to them, but you will not always have me. She has done what she could. She came beforehand to anoint my body for the burial. And surely I tell you, wherever the good news, the gospel is proclaimed in the entire world, what she has done will be told 
in memory of her. Okay, so the first thing, and I mentioned this in offering two Sundays ago, is that she poured out very costly perfume. She gave one, maybe one or her most precious um, treasure that she had. She gave it and poured it onto the feet of Jesus. And um, it is not a waste. This is the first thing I want us to hear today. When we pour out our hearts, our lives, our time, our money, our efforts, everything that we do, when we pour it out onto the feet of Jesus, it is not a waste. Okay, so let's go to Luke 10. From verse 38. Now, while they were on their way, it occurred that Jesus entered a certain village, which is Bethany. This is just a, a different account. And a woman named Martha received and welcomed him into her house. Okay, so the first time they were in Simon, the leper's house, and now Martha, Mary's sister, is inviting Jesus into the house. And she had a sister named Mary, who seated herself at the Lord's feet and was listening to his teaching. But Martha, overly occupied and too busy, was distracted with much serving. And she came up to him and said, Lord, is it nothing to you that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me, to lend a hand and do a part along with me. But the Lord replied to her by saying, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. There is need of only one or but a few things. Mary has chosen the good portion, that which is to her advantage, which shall not be taken away from her. Okay, so here again, Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus. And it seems like she was making a habit of this, of just sitting at the feet of Jesus and um, listening to him. And when Martha was busy, also serving the Lord, Mary was at the feet of Jesus. And Martha was anxious and troubled. And I realized that often in life, when we are more anxious and troubled, we neglect to sit at the feet of Jesus more than other times. You know, when it's going well and all our routines and everything is going well, it is so easy to sit at the feet of Jesus. But when the waves, <laughs> go, you know, go up on the sea and you don't maybe have enough sleep and there's pressure at work and your children is doing this and your family and this and this and this, then it's typically a time where you do not sit at the feet of Jesus and you become anxious and worried um, about many things. And Jesus is saying to her, Martha, Martha, you're worried and anxious about anything, but only one thing is needed for you to sit at the feet of Jesus. So this is the second thing that I want us to hear today, is that it is important for us to make, I want to say, a habit of it, to sit at the feet of Jesus, make time to to seek him out. This is what Martha Ahmeri was doing. It seems like whenever he was around in close to Bethany, Mary was seeking him out. And she was either pouring out the love towards Jesus or just sitting at his feet and listening to him. Okay, so now I want us to go to Isaiah 55. And I want you to see Martha 
and Mary in this situation. From verse 1. Wait and listen. Everyone who is thirsty, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come buy and eat. Can you see there, Mary, coming to Jesus? Yes, come buy, priceless, priceless. Okay, so what Jesus is saying, what you will receive from me cannot be bought, bought with any amount of money. Come buy priceless spiritual wine and milk without money and without price. Self simply for the self-surrender that accepts the blessing. So something happens when we come to Jesus. It is an act of self-surrender. It is an act of, you know, saying, but listen, <laughs> this anxiety and the worries of, of, of life, the things that keep me occupied or that can keep me occupied, I do not need those things. The one thing that I need is to come to Jesus. And that act of self-surrender puts us in a position to accept the blessing. And the blessing is the spiritual wine. It is the bread. It is the milk. It is the provision of Jesus. It is the joy, the peace, the anointing, the whatever it is that you need. Why do you spend your money for that which, the, which is not bread and your earnings for that which does not satisfy? And here I was just thinking of Martha. Why are you spending your time? Why are you doing things that do, does not produce life? Hearken diligently to me and eat what is good. And let your soul delight itself in fatness, the profuseness of spiritual joy. Here is Mary again. Incline your ear like Mary. Submit and consent to the divine will and come to me, year and your soul will revive, and I will make an everlasting covenant with, with you, even the sure mercy promised to David. Incline your ear, submit to the divine will of God. You know, when we come and sit at the feet of Jesus and we listen to him, then our will subs submits to the will of God. So when we are just busy, busy with things, it can be even the things of God, we are busy, you know, doing things and it is our duty, we need to read our Bible and pray. And I will always say rather err on the side of reading your Bible and praying. But it is a, the posture of the heart is a surrendered place where we come to him and we say, when I pray, when I read my Bible, when I spend time with Jesus, I do not come because I know all things. I come because I need him. I come because I, I do not know all things. I, I am um, I'm not worthy, actually, of his attention and time. But still, he invites us. Then I want to jump to verse 6. He says, seek, inquire for, and require the Lord while he may be found. And I was just thinking, here is Mary. Jesus, when he was still in the flesh, could not be at all places at all times. Um, so when you came to Bethany, you know, she seeked him out. She inquired and required of the Lord. 
So he says, seek and inquire for and require the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. And we're going to get to, I'm going to reference back to this just to explain how it works right now. Because is the Lord then not always near? Okay. So let's go to James 4. Are we going to read that just now? Yes. Let's first read James 4 and then we're going to get back to John 11. James 4, verse 8. Come close to God, and he will come close to you. Recognize that you are sinners. Get your soiled hands clean. Realize that you have been disloyal, wavering individuals with divided interests. And purify your hearts of your spiritual adultery. Now, just... What I want to say here, even though we are sons of God, and I think it is very important that we realize our identity in Christ, that we are sons, that we are sin, um, no longer sinners, that we are saints, we are holy, we are made righteous. Those things are really important because when we walk on this earth, we need to walk in, in authority. And if we do not realize our identity in Christ, you know, it, we cannot re- be that effective because we will not reign and rule in this life. But when... He says, come close to God and he will come close to you. That place of intimacy between just you and God, it is a place where you can recognize your faults, your shortcomings, the things where you know that you've had spiritual adultery, which means your affection was on something different than God. Your desire was maybe to have greater anxiety than than just to to surrender to him. You know, sometimes the funny thing is, and obviously it can be sin as well, um, the funny thing is is that the the flesh, the mind of the flesh and the appetites of the flesh is sometimes so satisfying because it is touch visible and we can feel it and experience it that we are sometimes more accustomed and almost attached to it (laughs) than we want to be attached to. To the, to the love and the freedom of Jesus. We, we so cling to it. You know, some, something that I've had a journey, I mean, for years, it's just something that's a temptation for me is control. You know, so um, I want to be in control of, of not only how things work, but also how people should react, you understand? And um, obviously, the closer the people get, like your husband, you know, the, the bigger the control issue is. You know, with four people and people just coming to church, you know, it's easier to just <laughs> let them be. But anyway, so that, that attachment to the control, for example, um, is, is comfortable because you're used to it. Then the longing to just give over to Jesus And this is my walk with Jesus, is to continually surrender the control, to continually say, Lord, um, this is me again. The appetites of my flesh is really keeping me back. Um, I need to give over to you in situations. And obviously it can can be in in anything. And, And I almost want to say any person with a bit of religion, which is every person, will have some issues of control. Because, you know, we want to control our environment. We want to control our thoughts. We want to control this and that. But ultimately we need to let go of and hold on to Jesus. So he says, come close to God. Verse 9, as you draw near to God, 
Be deeply penitent and grieve, even weep over your disloyalty. Let your laughter be turned to grief and your mirth to dejection and heartfelt shame for your sins. You know, many teachings say that when you come to God, you know, you're not supposed to cry and not to grieve and um, you're not supposed to feel sorry and that kind of thing. Now, I'm not saying that that we come to God and we cry over the same thing over and over again and we, that we feel sorry, you know, as the world feels sorry, you know, like... But there is, and I've experienced this, there is sometimes a grieving in the Holy Spirit because you know you've messed up. And you can come to Jesus. He's inviting you, you know, to come to him and pour out your heart to him. I was just thinking, if you think of the lady in Luke 7, and they do not give her a name, so I don't know if she was also a Mary or another Mary or something, but in Luke 7, they were in Simon the Pharisee's house. So this is not Simon the leper in which Mary and, um, of Martha was. She was in Simon um, the Pharisee's house, and um, she poured out oil on the feet of Jesus as well. And then Jesus said to to her, your sins are forgiven. Um, You much love because you're forgiven much. So that picture is a bit different from Mary who was anointing Jesus and just, you know, throwing her... Pouring out a love unto Jesus, where this lady, there was most probably some tears involved. So I'm making a bit, you know, of of um, It doesn't say that in the word, but you can imagine that this lady, who's been caught up in sin, the Bible calls her an especially wicked sinner. She comes to the Jesus and He freely forgives her. You can imagine what that heart must have been like, you know, pouring out everything. And, oh, yeah, now that I remember, it says, and it washed his feet with her tears as well. Okay, so she was crying. She was crying. And she was just pouring out everything. So when what I'm just saying, when we say draw near to God and be deeply penitent, it does not all only refer to, um, to, to sinners that's not been saved yet, that they need to cry. You can come to Jesus and pour out your heart. And then I want to read verse 10. It says, humble yourselves feeling very insignificant in the presence of the Lord. And he will exalt you. He will lift you up and make your lives significant. Now, what was so awesome for me when you read the story of Mary in, um, well, in, in the two accounts where she was in this, the house of Simon the leper, they rebuked her. What did she do? She humbled herself. She literally physically Put herself at the feet of Jesus. She wasn't sitting at the table with Jesus, you know, like, I'm cool like the disciples. I'm sitting with the feet of Jesus. No, oh, I'm sitting at the side of Jesus eating with him. She sat at the feet of Jesus. She humbled herself. And what did Jesus say? He says, do not rebuke her because her story will be told everywhere where the gospel is preached. How is that for exaltation? Humble yourself. Under the mighty hand of God, and he will exalt you. Okay. So when we sit at the feet of Jesus, when we come into his presence and we do not think that we're very significant, when we come and we come with a posture of, Lord, when I'm in your presence, I realize there's a very stark difference between me and you. My flesh is very weak and very dark, but you, Jesus, you are everything. When we come to him and we, we humble ourselves in his presence, he 
exalts us. He is the one. So when we walk out of that meeting with Jesus and we come into contact with, with people, he's the one that will exalt you. When you lay your hands on the sick, the anointing will be present to heal them. So that's not the place where I come like, you know what, I, I don't know, I'm, you know, I'm humble, so I don't know if I should pray really for you. You know, I'm just a sinner. <laughs> No, no, no. That is not what Jesus is saying. He's saying, humble yourself in the presence of the Lord. And obviously, when we act and when we preach and when we come into contact with other people and stand in relationship with people, we're still humble. But it's not a false humility. It is not a, I pretend that I'm a worm, you know, but actually inside you, <laughs> you feel you are full of pride. So there's a true love and a true boldness. So I I know I'm repeating myself a bit, but I think you, you, you hear what I'm saying. With humility comes boldness. Humility and arrogance doesn't go together, but humility and boldness does. So here is Mary humbling herself at the feet of Jesus. And what does Jesus see? Says he exalts her and say her story will be told across the earth. Now, I want to just touch again on Isaiah 55, 6. It said... That Let me read it again. Seek, inquire for, and require the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Now, Jesus is always near. Okay. God is all around. He's omnipresent. Um, he, if you're born again, he's living inside of you. So it's not that he is far. But there is sometimes a time when he calls upon us to draw us to himself so that we can have communion. So the two things I want you to see here today is that we seek him out. Seek out God, call unto him, draw near to him, and he will be there. It says draw near to God and he will draw near to you. So whenever you choose to do that, God will come near. But then there's also a time where God seeks you out. And I want to go back to John 11. So it was the story of, um, of Lazarus and um, Martha and Mary was there. And they're speaking about Mary that wiped the feet of Jesus. Then we go. Then Jesus, Martha meets Jesus outside of, let's say, the house, I don't know, or the town, I don't know exactly, but Martha, and Jesus is speaking, and she says, Jesus, where were you? Lazarus would not have died, and he said, listen, um, I'm the resurrection and the life, and they have this whole conversation of, that if he was there, Lazarus would not have died, but Jesus says to her, don't worry about it, I am here now, I am the resurrection and the life, and I will raise it. And after this conversation, let's read verse 28. After she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary, privately whispering to her, the teacher is close at hand and is asking for you. Wow. When she heard this, she sprang up quickly and went to him. You see, there are times when Jesus is close at hand, meaning he is seeking you out. He is asking for you. He's calling you. And those times, so it's the two things. The one thing I want to encourage you to constantly seek him out at any time. 
Those are the habits, like Mary was seeking him out whenever he was in town. Those are the habits that you put in place, like you wake up in the morning and you spend time in the Word, or you pray at night, or in lunch hour, you spend some time in the Word. Like those habitual things. And then obviously, whenever, throughout the day, you seek him out, you seek him out. And then there are times that Jesus is close at hand and he's asking for you. And I'm sure if you are listening this morning, you have felt that. There's a tugging on your heart and he's calling you and he's saying, come, come. And many times I've ignored that. And I know I've missed out. But the times where I have heeded that call, when he called me closer, he has revealed the most precious of revelations to me. He has given me amazing peace and joy. He has relieved me of anxiety and stress. He has just given himself and his anointing to to me. So I want to say this to you. Seek out God. But also let him seek you out. And when he seeks you out, draw near to him. Last comment I want to make that really just stood out for me. When you read John 11, Jesus is having this conversation with Martha. And she's saying, Lord, if you were here, Lazarus would not have died. So they were having this almost, I almost want to say, intellectual conversation about the resurrection and the life and all of that. Then a few verses later, verse 32, when Mary came to the place where Jesus was and saw him, she dropped down at his feet again that humility saying to him lord if you had been here my brother would not have died okay so it is the exact same thing that martha said mary is also now saying listen jesus (laughs) if you would have been here my brother would not have died and listen to this verse 33 when jesus saw her sobbing and the jews who came with her also sobbing He was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Verse 35, Jesus wept and then thereafter he raised Lazarus from the dead. For me, that is such a beautiful picture of Jesus and Martha. Jesus loved Martha. They say it in John 11. He loved Martha. He loved Mary. He loved Lazarus. But Martha, always busy with things and doing, you know, things from anxiety and so forth. You know, God, Jesus was conversing with her. and They were discussing, I almost want to say discussing doctrines. And he was explaining things to her, yet she did not catch what he was saying. Then there was Mary. When, when, she, was, when she was sad um, because her brother had died, Jesus was deeply moved. I almost want to say there was a different connection between Jesus and Mary because she was the one always sitting at her feet, pouring out oil, pouring out her love unto him. Let us be known to be people who sit at the feet of Jesus, who seek him out. And let us be known (laughs) to be the ones where God seeks us out. And with that I mean, um, and I've recently read the the biography of Catherine Kuhlman, with that I mean, with our faults and everything, when you get up and you minister to other people, he's present. 
with your mistakes, with the things that you wrong, do wrong, with, with your whole package, but he is there. In a meeting, she would get up and stay up on stage, and the miracles will just happen, you know, in the audience. People getting up from wheelchairs, healed from cancers, amazing. Deaf ears hearing, blind eyes seeing, amazing miracles that she saw before she even touched them or laid a hand on them. Just the Holy Spirit showing up. And this is what I want in my life, that in every conversation that I have with every person, every time I minister, everything that I do, even when I cook, even when I clean, when I spend time with my children, my family, that the presence of God will show up, that he will seek me out and say, oh, there's Lene, I want to be present wherever she is. Amen. Amen. Let me pray for us. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I pray for a hunger and a drawing on our hearts that we will spend that time at your feet, that we will humble ourselves every time of the day, every moment of the day, and that also those special times that we will just come to you, Lord Jesus, and pour out our hearts on your feet, pour out our love unto you, and that we will seek you out. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Bless you.